0: All right, good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you here today. Glad that you chose to come out. I don't know about you, but I walked outside and it was such a beautiful morning. The sun was shining and it was cold. And uh, so I chilled a little bit, but it's great to be in here where it is nice and warm and we are so glad uh, that you came to be a part of this worship time today. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Luke, the 17th chapter. Luke chapter 17, and I want to let you in on a little secret today in case you're not aware. This week is Thanksgiving week. Was that news to anybody today? You're like, "Uh uh-oh Uh uh-oh, there's a shortage of turkeys, just in case you haven't heard. Uh, By the way, their store shelves are stocked with them, but there's still a shortage of them out there, so if you haven't got your turkey yet, you might want to Rush out and get one, but it is Thanksgiving, and I know that Thanksgiving means a lot of different things to a lot of different folks. But I always love Thanksgiving because it's that uh, day out of the year that we get to uh, gobble till we wobble, right? Uh, we get to have all the great food that's out there: the the turkey, the dressing, the potatoes, the uh, the gravy that goes along with it, and all of the great desserts. and uh, And it's always fun to get together with family and friends. For some people they love Thanksgiving because it's a break from school, it's a break from work, it's a, just a break from the normal everyday activities of life. Uh, for some Thanksgiving is a great day for them because they love all the football games that are on television that day. Anybody like that? Any football fans out there? I'm sorry. Uh, But it'll be a great day for those football fans. Reminds me of a story. I've shared this story before, but I love it, so I'm going to share it again. But it reminds me of a story of a man who won Super Bowl tickets uh, from a company Christmas party. And he was all excited to get to go to the Super Bowl and how great of a game that was going to be. And he gets there and he realizes that uh, his tickets are about as far away from the field as you can get. And he's sitting there looking around as the game starts. He's looking for empty seats that may be closer that he can move to. And he looks down. And he sees right down on the 50-yard line, first or second row up, there's an empty seat. And so he makes his way down there. And there's an older gentleman that's sitting next to this empty seat and he asked him, is anybody sitting here? And the man says, no, that's that's my wife's seat. Uh, You can sit here if you want. And he he goes, your wife's seat? I, I can't believe that she wouldn't want to come and watch this game. He goes, well, we've been to every Super Bowl since we've been married, but this past year, just recently, my wife died. And so she wasn't able to come. And the young man says, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. He said, but I can't believe you couldn't find uh, some other family members or a close friend that would want to come to the game with you. And the man looked at him and he said, they're all at the funeral. So some people, it's all about football for them. I don't know what Thanksgiving means to you. I don't know what goes through your mind when uh, you hear about Thanksgiving. It means different things to different people. But Thanksgiving truly is a special time. And Thanksgiving ought to be something that we do every day of the year when we realize how truly blessed that we are. I I just find it amazing that we set one day aside and we call it Thanksgiving. I I think really we ought to set one day a year aside and say, man, we've been giving thanks all year long. Let's take one day and just not be thankful and do nothing, right? But no, we have to set one side aside. A day a year to be thankful because I think sometimes we just get busy in life and we're going through life and and we may be thankful but we sometimes just forget to stop and to be thankful for all that God has done. Well today we're closing out a series of messages that we've been in over the last several weeks entitled hashtag blessed and the title of today's message is I am thankful And I want us to consider that statement today, I am thankful. Are you truly thankful in your heart today for God and for Christ, for all that he has done for us and who we are in him? In Luke chapter 17, we get a picture of what a thankful heart looks like. How can we live a life every day giving thanks to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? How can we have a heart that just overflows with thanksgiving because of what Christ has done for us? Now, before we read our passage this morning, I want to warn you and tell you that there's going to be a a test at the end of the service, okay? When we start getting towards the end of the message, there's going to be a test. But I'm going to give you the answer now, okay? So are you ready for the answer? The answer is praise God, all right? So let's say that together. Praise God. That wasn't too bad, but keep that in your mind. So here in a few minutes, if I say, and the people said, you're going to say? If I say that they said, you're going to say? All right, you might get it. So by the end, we're going to get there, okay? So let's look at our passage this morning. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Notice what Scripture says. says, as Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up, go, your faith has healed you. In this story, we have a group of 10 lepers. Now we need to understand something about leprosy in this day. Leprosy was a feared disease that if you were to get this disease, you would be separated from your family, from your friends, from all of society. You would have to go out and you would find a colony of others that were just like you to live with. So they had these leprosy colonies and that is what we see in this picture we see these 10 lepers they're out living together they're out this little village that Jesus is coming to and to be diagnosed with leprosy was like receiving a death sentence not only would the person be dying physically but the person would die emotionally they would die spiritually They would die economically. Now the physical death would take quite a while in a person with leprosy, but all these other deaths would be immediate. So I was thinking this week as I was looking through here at these ten men, and I really focused in on this Samaritan that we're seeing in this passage, and I wondered what his life would have been like before he got this terrible disease. What was his life like? Was was this man married? Was this man a married man with children? What kind of job did he have? What was his status in his community? What kind of life did he lead before he found out he had this horrible disease? And then, how was his life drastically changed the moment that he found out? Did he wake up one morning and he looked down and he started seeing spots on his hands and his arms and on his legs? Did he... Set there in fear, wondering, is this what I think that it is? Did he go to a doctor who confirmed that this was a horrible disease that you're going to die from? Did he have to go home and now say goodbye to his wife and children, not able to get close to them as he gathered up what little stuff he could to go outside of the community to be separated from them forever? And then when you get into these communities of, like-minded. Notice that it said he was a Samaritan. This is not by accident. He's in this community with uh, nine other men, and we're assuming that these others uh, were Jewish men. And keep in mind that back in that day, the Jews and the Samaritans, they did not like each other. The Samaritans were looked down upon by the Jewish people because the Samaritans uh, were considered a half-breed people. They were uh, part Jewish and part Gentile. And so they were looked down upon, but now he goes out to this community and what once kept them separated is no longer an issue and now they are one dying people. And can you imagine what must have been going through his thought and his mind as he he goes in and he connects with these men and now they have to stand outside away from everybody else. And according to the law, they could not get close to anyone else. And if anyone started coming close to them, they would have to cry out, Unclean! Unclean! Don't come near me. How horrible that would be. And they would hope that as they cried out unclean, that these people passing by might feel sorry for them and maybe leave some scraps behind for them so they would have food to eat. And they would be able to survive. As I thought about all this, I began to look at this passage in a way that's different than I have many other times, because most of the time I would read through this, and I would look at the great miracle that Jesus did. You have these ten men that are, have this horrible disease, and they're crying out, Lord, have mercy on me, and Jesus heals all ten at once just by the spoken word. I mean, that's a pretty incredible healing that takes place. But as I began to look at what this man's life may have been like before the horrible news, I began to have a little bit more compassion for him. I began to maybe understand just a little bit more of the hopelessness that he had in his life. And you see how hopeless their life was. You can see how depressed they must have felt. And how alone, even though they're in their little community together how alone they truly were but then I noticed that as they were in this community that one day they look out and they see this group of people coming and this group of people was a little bit different than a group of people that came by before because Jesus is in this group And now I find it amazing that as Jesus is coming by they begin to cry out. But they're not crying out unclean this time. Notice what we see in verses 12 and 13. Look back at those verses. It says that as he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out, Jesus Master have mercy on us. It's not the unclean words. It's master have mercy can you do something for us and when you look at that cry when you see what they're saying it is obvious that these men had some knowledge of Jesus now maybe in the past before they had to leave their communities and their families maybe they were around and they saw some of the miracles that Jesus had done maybe they were close enough where they could hear the teachings of Jesus But now they're having to stay at a distance, but they're able to recognize Him, and they know that there is something different about this man, Jesus. And they're crying out to Him, and they say, Jesus, have mercy on us. And when I look at that, I realize that that something is going to be different here. Can you imagine being out every day as you're having to call out, saying, I'm unclean, stay away from me. And you can see that, that people pass by and some would probably look over and they might have had some compassion because maybe they had a family member that was in the same situation as these but there is absolutely nothing they can do and this is such a contagious disease that they cannot get close by and so they just keep on walking Maybe some do like sometimes we do when people are crying out to us for help and and they look over, but they quickly turn their head the other way. They act like they don't hear the cries. They act like they don't see the problem. They act like they're, they're not even there. And so it's almost as if they don't exist. And maybe if I don't hear them, I can go on about my life as normal. There was crowds that walked by, but this crowd, there was going to be somebody that was different. Let me tell you something today. That in our pain, in our hurt, in the sadness, the difficulties that we go through, when the rest of the world may be walking by, Jesus is close by. And I can see this crowd as they're coming. And Jesus hears the cries and, and I almost picture Jesus just stopping and turning and looking at them. And I don't know what kind of distance it was. I believe in the law they had to remain at least 50 feet away. And so here's this distance between them. But Jesus turns and I can just seeing him making eye contact with them. When the rest of the world is walking by, Jesus takes notice. When the rest of the world may seem like they don't care or they don't have answers and they can't help, Jesus takes notice. And Jesus looks and He makes eye contact with them. And He responds to their cry. To me, that's such encouraging words to think about that Jesus is close by. Jesus hears our cries. Have you ever had a season in your life where you're crying out and you feel like no one's hearing? You feel like no one cares? You feel like sometimes that even God's not listening? Listen, anytime you feel yourself in that situation, I think you can go back to this passage and be reminded that Jesus is close by. And not only is he close by, but he cares. He cares for you. And he cares for me. And he cared for each one of these individuals in that group that day. And so as he looks at them, I find it interesting again what he says he he looks at them and he says this he says go go see the priest Um, interesting statement i mean they're crying out lord have mercy on us but can i just let you know at that moment when jesus is there and jesus cares that it doesn't matter what his words are that he cares Psalms 34 17 through 18 says the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help he rescues them from all their troubles the Lord is close to the brokenhearted he rescues those whose spirits are crushed and when he responds to them he is letting them know I hear your cries and I care so then we see the obedience of these men because Jesus looks at them and he, and he tells them, he says, go show yourself to the priest. Now, when a person was uh, diagnosed with leprosy and uh, they're sent out, the only way that they can be back in society, get back with their family, is they go and show themselves to the priest to prove that their body is healed. Now, I want you to keep in mind that with leprosy in that day, there was no cure that anybody knew of and so the I think the uh uh, the thought was then that it was easier to raise the dead than it was to cure leprosy and so Jesus says go and show yourself to the priest now I'm thinking if I'm one of these 10 I'm just going to look at myself and go why why would I go show myself to you know what are they going to do They're going to send me away, they're going to say, there's no way that you're healed because we still see in your body that you are sick. And when you think about leprosy and what it does to the body, some of these may have had a hard time, and I won't go into details because we're going to have lunch in a little while and I don't want to ruin anybody's lunch, but the disease was so bad that sometimes limbs would fall off. And so, for some of them, this may have been something that would have been difficult to do. But we see their obedience. Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priest. And I want you to notice what it says in verse 14. It says, and as they went. That means that Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. So they start going. They don't stand back and question what good is that going to do. They start moving. They start heading to the priest. And as they are heading to the priest, as they are moving, as they're being obedient to Jesus, this is that they look down and they realized that their bodies were healed. So as they move out in obedience, and they're obeying what God says, their bodies are healed. Now, there's something here that I want you to realize too and understand That when God is moving in our lives, sometimes he asks us to first take a step of faith before we see what is going on. Sometimes he asks us to step out first. Remember the children of Israel, as they're getting ready to move into the promised land and they get up to the Jordan River and the Jordan River is flowing at its banks. It's like flood time at the Jordan River. And they're trusting what God has said and they show up to the river and it's like, how in the world are we going to cross this river? And what did God tell them as they're standing out in the river? He says, step out into the water. Now, I I picture these floodwaters going by. You can almost picture, you know, if you see... Uh, images of floods and the water's just flowing uh, down streets and rivers and everywhere else and sometimes you see a car like upside down floating the wheels are out it's kind of what I picture here and and they're looking out there they're seeing this flooded water and God says step out and I don't know how far they have to go whether it's ankle deep or knee deep or waist deep but they take the step of faith and it's after they take the step of faith that the waters recede And they're able to cross on dry land. That is the way that God works many times. He says, you want to see the miracle? Take a step of faith. Step out into that water. Step out. And that's what's happening to this man. He says, go and see the priest. Don't wait for the healing. Go and see the priest. Step out in faith. I cannot tell you how many times God has done this in my life. When there's been a change that he's making, there's something that he is wanting to do. And he just lets me know that you need to step out in faith. And it's when I take that step of faith that I begin to see the doors of heaven opened up. And he reveals what it is that he's doing. And that's the way that it is. And they're going. They're walking down the road. You can see them. They're, they're walking together and they're headed to see the priest. They look down and they're like, I'm healed. <laughs> Hey, you're healed. And I bet there was a time of rejoicing and a time of excitement. going, Our bodies are healed. And so they say, let's go. Let's hurry up and get to the priest so that we can get back to our families. So that we can get back to our jobs. So that we can get back to our life that we used to have. And you can imagine the excitement that they had and the joy that they had. And they start going down the road with this excitement and joy. And one of them says... There's something I got to do first. There's something I got to go take care of first. And notice what happens. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God. What happened to the other nine? Well, they continued going on what Jesus said, but notice that Jesus asked this man, he said, Where are the other nine? Weren't there ten of you? Where are the other nine? This man says, there's something that I got to do. Now when we look at this one, there's some things that we can quickly get out of his heart that I think would help us each and every day to have a grateful heart just as he did. Three examples that we see in this man. First of all, a thankful heart begins with noticing what God has done. They're walking down the road. They all realize that they're healed, but this man stops. He notices, look at what God has done. He has healed me. And you know, we come up to Thanksgiving. Again, it's one day a year. This is something we ought to be doing every day that we look around us. We take the time to stop and look at what all God has done. Can I remind you today as we've been going through this series that we are greatly blessed today because of what God has done. We are truly blessed in our life. And I think we could set back today and we could start having discussion. How has God blessed you? How has God blessed you? How has God blessed you? And we could be here for a month just going through how God has blessed each one of us in so many different ways. But let me tell you, the greatest blessing that we have of all is when God sent His Son to die in our place on that cross So that our broken relationship with God because of the sin in our life, because of the disease in our life, God sent His Son. He went to the cross in our place. His blood was shed. His body was broken for us. And that is the greatest blessing. And if that is all that there was, that is more than enough. We are blessed by God each day when we step out of bed and we take that breath in the morning and we are still able to move, still able to live for God today. That is a huge blessing in our life. We're able to come to church. We're able to worship together. We're able to get together and to sing songs of praise. And that is a great blessing to us. And because of the great blessings that God has poured out on our life and continues to pour out on our life, the people should be shouting, All right, let's try that again. But this time, I want you to say it like the man who was just healed from leprosy. Ready? The people said, God. isn't it great to praise God? Every day of our life ought to be a day that we praise God for the many blessings that he has given us. He has blessed us so much. Hashtag blessed, right? Uh, we ought to all be wearing t-shirts with that on there. Walking around going, hashtag blessed. And when people say, what is that? I'm saying, let me tell you how God has blessed me today. Let me tell you about the blessings he continues to pour out upon my life. God has blessed me greatly. And the thankful heart, secondly, recognizes the source of the blessing." I love this, I, I, you know, they're all recognizing that they're healed, but they all take off. But this one man, he recognizes the true source of his blessings because it says, where did he return to? He returned back to Jesus. Jesus is the source of our blessings. You know, sometimes it's easy for us to, to go through life and, and to think that, that I'm the source of those blessings, Right? God has given me the ability to do great things, and because I can accomplish these great things, that somehow I'm the source, forgetting that Christ is our source. There was a man who had a job interview in downtown Dallas. I don't know if you've driven in downtown Dallas or not, but sometimes the traffic down there can be extremely crazy. And so he was on his way to downtown Dallas. He'd been out of work for a while. And he'd gone through several different job interviews and none of them had panned out. And this was the last one that was on his radar. And he's thinking all the way down there, if this job does not pan out, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got bills that are due. I'm going to lose my house. I, I need this job. Well, he gets into a traffic jam. And when he gets into this traffic jam, he sees the time just ticking away. And now he starts to panic and, oh no, I'm not going to make it to the job interview on time. And if I show up late, there's no way that I will get this job. And he finally gets down close to the building that he needs to go to. And he's driving around in circles and he cannot find a parking spot. And so he begins to cry out and he says, God, I need your help if you will give me a parking spot so I can make it to this job interview on time, then I promise you, I will start going to church every week. And not only will I go to church every week, I will start singing in the choir every week. And not only will I sing in the choir, but Lord, I will, I will start giving money to the needy and to the poor. God, I will do all these things for you if you will just give me a good parking spot. Well, about that time, there's a car that pulls out and there's a parking spot that opens up right in front of this building that he needs to go to. And he quickly pulls into that parking spot and he looks up and he says, God, never mind, I found one. How many times do we do that in our lives? That we are going through life and we're saying, God, I need you to do this, I need this. And then when it happens, we're going, never mind, God, I did it. Now, I know that we would never say that out loud, right? But sometimes we say that with our actions. And we go through life and we say, look at what I've done. Listen, we're only able to do the things that we're able to do because God allows us to do those things and he gives us the ability to do them. You may be the smartest person in the world, but the only reason you're the smartest person in the world is because God's the one that put that brain in your head, right? And we need to take time to realize that he is our source. And that ought to be a daily thing for us. And when we realize that God is our source, then the people say, All right, we're going to get there in a minute. All right? But isn't that true? And not that the way we ought to live? I mean, we can look at this man's example. And he could have done like the others. He could have followed the crowd. He could have gone on, let's go see the priest. Let the, the priest prove that we are cleansed, that we're healed. Let's get back to our families. Let's get back to doing. But he says, no, I, I got to go see Jesus. And I got to praise him. And it says that he fell down at his feet. I'm sure there were people around going, Why is this grown man falling down at the feet of Jesus? Listen, if you knew what Jesus had done for me, you would fall down at his feet too. And he has done such great things for all of us. And he fell down at his feet because he recognized the source. And then the last thing that I want us to see. Notice what it says in verse 15 again. So one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, shouting, say that word with me, shouting. No, you jumped ahead. I said, say that word. See, that was a trick. Trick question. Say the word shouting with me. Shouting. He was shouting, praise God. Shouting, praise God. The healed man returns loudly. Now, keep this in mind. Put this picture in perspective. Before he was healed, he would have to stand out away from people loudly shouting, unclean. And now he is loudly shouting, why? Because God has cleansed him. And let me remind you that when we come to Christ, that he cleanses us from all of our unrighteousness. Come now. According to Isaiah 118. And let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be wool. Because we were unclean, we walked around as dead men. And As dead men walk around, there is no life in them. But once we come to Christ and He cleanses us from all righteousness, He raises us from dead into life. Ephesians 2, 5, and 6 says, Because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God has raised us up with Christ, and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Listen, when we understand who Christ is, we understand what Christ did, we believe what Christ taught, it changes our life forever, and we are truly blessed in Him, and we should come to Him every day shouting, I said shouting, All right, we're going to try it one more time. Let's shout it where the neighbors can hear us. And by the way, we're out here nowhere. So shout it where the neighbors can hear us. Praise God. There you go. Isn't it great to praise God? I want to tell you, there's something within us. God wants us to praise him. As a matter of fact, uh, if we don't praise him, the very rocks will cry out and praise him. God wants to be praised. And there's something that changes in us. You may get up in the morning, you may feel like, man, God, I I don't even feel like getting out of bed today. I don't feel like going out into the world today. But there's something that changes if we get up and we are truly praising God with our hearts, recognizing who He is, recognizing what He did, believing what He taught, and believing that He has changed our life. And you start praising God in the morning, and I promise you it'll change the rest of your day. And if you will do it today, it'll change the rest of your week something special about praising god and we see that in this picture today let's praise god for who he is let's praise god for what he has done let's praise god for the lives that he has changed in me in you and all who have placed their faith and trust in him we are to praise him let's pray together father i thank you today for this encouraging message and just this remembrance of who you are and what you do for us. And God, I pray that, that down deep in our bones, we would have a desire to praise you every day. Now God, it wouldn't be one day a year that we set aside to say thanks, but it would be a day every day that we praise you and we say thanks for who you are and what you have done. God, I'm so grateful that you were willing to give your son for us, that while we were like this man with leprosy, we had this disease because of sin in our lives, that you gave us your son, Jesus Christ. And I thank you that it's through him that we are truly healed from that. God, I pray that today each one of us would take this message to heart. And God, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know You as their Lord and Savior, that right now Your Spirit would just draw them unto Yourself. That God, they would see their condition and how they are separated from You. And that God, You would step in and You would change their life today. That they would receive You as their Lord and Savior. God, as believers today, I pray that we would be reminded of Your great love for us and how blessed we are in you. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.